Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another special edition of Let's Talk 1943, the Business Spotlight Edition. I am your host, Regina Smithwick, and we have Laura Hernandez is going to be with us today. She has a lot to offer us mamas out here, and I cannot wait to talk to her about her journey, adoption, and everything that comes with it. So until then, as I always say, you ready? Let's talk. All right, we are back. We are back. So, um, Laura, I'm going to introduce you. You are you and your husband Tony lives in Dallas um, area with ten children. Y'all have it right: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten children in the past four years and a half. She had um, added six new children to our family. Three are biological and three are adopted. And she has some mama tips for us, and we're going to talk about all her journey. So, welcome, Laura, to Let's Talk. How are you? I'm so wonderful. I'm really glad to be here with you today. Yes, I am too. We have some things in common and some things I would love to um, learn about. So just kind of tell us exactly what you do. Yeah, so I'm a mama coach and I get to help moms implement systems in their homes so that they can live more peaceful and intentional lives with their people. Mm -hmm. So often we are just living kind of reactionary lives and we don't sit down and focus on the things that we actually want to be intentional with with our people. And so I help mamas kind of slow down for a minute and really be able to prioritize their days and their lives so that they can be intentional with their people. Well, seeing that you do have 10 children, you, you, I know the system, I have three and I have twins and with the twins made me more organized. Like I had to do systems and, and actually um, streamline processes so I could keep some insanity. So imagine that with two and you have 10. So I know you have some good tips on how to strategize and to streamline processes because that's organization, right? Yeah, it is. And I think it goes a lot deeper than organization too, with like rhythms and routines and mm -hmm. different things like that. But yeah, I think that having um, your world kind of rocked a little bit makes you be like, okay, what really matters here? What's really mm -hmm. important and mm -hmm. helps you get those things in place. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about, so if I was your client and I say, Hey, my life is in disarray. I'm, my house is a mess. I'm, I'm not organized. I don't have any time for me. Mm. That's, that's it. I don't have no time for me. Cause that's what it comes down to. Right. You just, you, you, yeah, you could do what you do, but you're missing out on having time for yourself. So what would you tell a client? Yeah. So I have, before I go into that, I have a lovely self-care guide that I would love to share with you and with your okay. audience as well. So okay. I need to give that to you. Okay. Um, but I would start with, hey, let's assess what's going on in your, your life and your family. Because again, just that reactionary going from thing to thing, from putting out one fire to another, we don't even know what we're doing half the time, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so really paying attention to the things that give us life that we really enjoy doing and really paying attention to the things that drain us. Mm -hmm. And then automatically, once we kind of do that big assessment and big inventory of your life, we would then go into the things that drain you. And we're going to try to automate, delegate and eliminate those things altogether. So that way they're not on your plate anymore and you don't have to think about them and can just get rid of them as much as possible. You know, there's mm -hmm. always going to be a task or two that you just have to do, but a lot mm -hmm. of them you don't have to be doing every time. So, we get those off your plate and then we can then you have that space and that margin to really allow for the things that you want to be doing mm -hmm. and that time to create space for you um and to fill you up because we're not good mamas if we're not being filled up for sure that's right, that's right. we got to be good to ourselves to be able to be good mothers in general so yeah. i see that you have a tied and true systems 
what is what is that about well um there's there's several of them mm-hmm. but i would love today to talk about delegating if you're okay with that i sure am uh, delegating out to your people i think that so often we're just doing everything all the time for all the people mm-hmm. and i don't feel like that's our responsibility as mothers i feel like our responsibility as mothers is more to manage our home mm-hmm. and really equip our people to be responsible mm-hmm. and to grow them up to be responsible adults right that's right and so how are we going to do that i feel like that's a big jump for somebody who has little people to like think about adulthood but i love to break it down as like hey you're about to send your kids off to college let's think about that for a minute what would you want them how do you want them to be living with their roommates like mm. what responsibilities do you want them to have because you don't want them to be complete slobs i'm sure that I mean, I've had a roommate before that I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know where you were raised, but I'm pretty sure it was a zoo. You don't want your kids to be that kid, right? I know. And my boys are actually going to college in August. They are seniors. They about I have the twins are going to college. So you're right. And I've been really on them lately. Like, you know, they do things now, but I'm really on them. Like, okay, you gotta wash your clothes this way. You gotta, you know, keep this because you're gonna have a roommate. You can't be, you know, disrespectful to people's stuff and you, you know, keep up with your things. You know, you just can't leave stuff around like you did at home because you're in school with people in and out your room because you don't know who your roommate people are. So you gotta kind of keep up because they know when I was in college, well, I'm always been a clean person. So I never had no issue. And thank goodness I didn't have no messed up roommates that was all over the place. So I, I lucked out on that. But you're right. There's a lot of people that come there that come straight from their room at home. And it goes straight to college the same way and they live the same way. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And our goal with that is not to like go in there and do it for them because then they don't know how to do it. So if we're always going in and cleaning up their room or always doing their laundry for them or always correcting them, then they don't, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we can come in and alongside them when they're younger and really help them learn how to do things like, Hey, let's, let's create a space where you can keep all of your school stuff where do you want that space to be and have them be a part of that conversation mm-hmm. so that way they can think through oh well that's a good idea to keep all my school stuff in one spot and that way i don't lose my paperwork and i don't mm-hmm. lose these things but that way they're kind of learning how to do those things along with you and mm-hmm. they're not thrown into the deep end when they go off so um, <laughs> I, I i always start with like the things that drain you the most like if you hate unloading the dishes Let's start with that. Let's have your little people come in and help. And, you know, even if it's just starting with silverware, they can come do the silverware and put the silverware away and they Mm -hmm. enjoy it when they're young. They love helping alongside mama. And Mm -hmm. so I think just starting with those little steps and giving them those little responsibilities is a great, great place to start. And, you know, when you said that, because, you know, you want to bring peace and joy in this situation. That's what we all strive and looking for. And when you said that, I have to say I'm guilty on something because I'm always like, I'll just do it because it. I'll just do it. And you, I have a certain way how, how I like, how I like things. Mm-hmm. And I had to finally like let go of that control and say, look, it won't be just as, you know, just like I want it, but they have to learn. It's the only way they're going to learn. Cause I had to learn. And when I started learning, I didn't do exactly like I'm doing it now. So I had to relinquish the the control and just say, look, it's not, they bet it's not as tight as I like it, but they're making it. So they'll learn as they get, you know, get older. So I do understand that we kind of get control freaks sometimes with stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And depending on the age of the kid and depending on the like abilities of the kids, um, Mm -hmm. making their bed could be like picking up their lovies off the floor and putting it on their bed. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like that could be making their bed and we're going to celebrate that. And they've done their responsibility and it really helps build this team mentality 
mm-hmm. in our home of I'm not the one doing all the things, but we're all working together to keep our home nice. And, you know, I always threaten our kids. We live out in the country. And so I always threaten our kids. I'm a little embarrassed to say this out loud, but I'm like, <laughs> your room is like nasty and you're eating in your room and all these things like rats are going to come live in your room with you. We don't want oh. that. So, I know they really but, won't. But that, but that makes them, that makes them pay attention though. It does. <laughs> Hopefully they won't really. Um, but I feel like it's a real, like if we start to live like slums, rodents are going to come live with us and I don't want that. And so it's more of a team effort of like, Hey, we're taking care of this home together. Mm-hmm. We all make messes. We're all going to help clean them up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's my, that's my biggest one is like, Hey, let's delegate some things out to your kiddos and set up some, some good systems for that. I used to watch a show called, um, it's not called, is it called nanny? Nine one one, or it was a British show. Yep. And I watched that and, you know, a lot of it was behavior issues, but she did put systems in play and like boards and, and things that you have your name and you put stars if you did this and, you know, and it's feel like the children feels like they accomplished something and they love to see their name next to a star. And so it worked because of accountability, but they love the reward of being recognized. Yeah. So that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, that encouragement piece. And I think it really builds a sense of belonging and of, of worthiness, like that they belong here and they are worthwhile. And, mm-hmm. and we need them as a part of our team. We can't do our family without you, you know? That's true. And what about the meal prep? I know you have a section of meal prepping. How's the, how you how you do meal prepping with 10 children? That's a very loaded question. Um <laughs> Well, give us, give us your synopsis of it. Um, My favorite way to do meal prepping, because again, this is one of those areas where we just kind of get so overwhelmed with all the choices out there. So I'm thinking about tonight and dinner and I'm like, what are, I mean, I don't even know what meat we're going to have or what genre we're going to have. Like it can just be overwhelming. But if I have a a plan, Mm -hmm. then it's easier to kind of go in that. So my favorite plan for meal planning is to have themed nights so on Mondays are crock pot night and on Tuesdays, taco oh. Tuesday and like taco Tuesday. is not like the hard shell ground beef tacos every Tuesday. It could be taco salad. It could be fajitas. It could be quesadillas, but it's narrowed me down to like, Hey, we have these options right here nice. instead of like thinking about all the options that we have and just taking out some of that decision fatigue makes it so much easier when I go sit and meal plan to just write down my meals and to know very quickly what is going to work for our family, what our kids like. It's all there. Super easy. Um, oh wow, that's a good idea because you know they know what night it is. They're like, it's pizza Friday or it's Taco Tuesday, or you know that uh, it, that is really and it makes them excited because I'm assuming they have part of the planning of the meals, the stuff that they like. Yeah, they. I mean, I know. Let me rephrase that. I don't typically have them come in unless the kids like wandering around while I'm meal planning. I'll be like, what do you want to have <laughs> on this night, right? Um, but I do know that their dislikes and likes and so I kind of know which what meals to stick with and what to avoid altogether yeah and that 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 alone just like you said it takes a lot of the guesswork out and you kind of know what you're doing because a lot of times we just go on autopilot and when we get home we buy food we best buy food and we put it up and then at night ain't nothing to eat I'm like I don't feel like cooking look just just grab something, you know, and you have a bunch of food in the house, but you never cook it because you, you're too busy 
not prepping beforehand to know what you need to cook. Like, I need to put this out today. Let me throw out this meat while I'm at work so when I get home it's ready or throw it in the crock pot and your dinner is ready when you get home. Yeah. It just it takes just, that little extra step at the mm -hmm. beginning of the week, maybe. Um, so for us, it's on Sundays where I sit down and write everything out and make sure we have all the things we need. And if we don't have them, I put them on our Walmart order that's there the next morning. And um, I mean, just those simple little things of automating Mm -hmm. like having that system for things to take the, the guesswork out and the brain workout mm -hmm. has been so life-giving for me. Especially now with, with the supermarket, you actually have it delivered to your house or even pick it up, but is this put in your trunk? Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> I know that saved you a lot of time. <laughs> I know that did. So what is some, what is your number one tip that you have for families? <sighs> I think going back to that self-care for mama. I mm -hmm. think that that is like the most important thing. I So often we're trying to give to our kids and we have nothing to give. We're worn down. We're tired. We haven't mm -hmm. seen friends in a long time. We haven't like whatever is the thing that fills you up. You haven't been able to do it. And so right. I know for me, I'm not parenting from a place of kindness or grace or anything of that sort. <laughs> if I'm like exhausted and yeah. feel like I'm going to burst into tears at every moment. And so, yeah. um, just really making sure that that is the most important thing during your week is taking care of you. And it sounds so counterintuitive because everything we do as mothers is like self-sacrificing and um, mm -hmm. we really take on this martyrdom. Like I never yeah. had time for me kind of thing. Um, but when we are able to put ourselves first mm -hmm. and it sounds even scary to me saying it out loud, but when mm -hmm. it, we're able to put ourselves first and like really make sure we're being fed and we're being filled up, whether that's going to counseling every week or um, going out with girlfriends every week, it could just be once a month, whatever that is, we really got to make that a priority and like circle that on our calendar and make sure that does not get canceled. Yeah. So it seemed to me that your systems as well as um, you being a mama coach is really to, yes, get the house in order, put the systems in place, but the ultimate goal is to carve out some time for the mothers to be able to be better women, be better, you know, mothers and daughters and aunts and everything. But to be that better mom, you have to figure out things to give you that carved out time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the systems kind of narrow down your scope of what you're actually doing and create that space so that you have time for you and that you can live a more joy filled and peace filled life. Because yeah. truly, I believe if mama is not happy, ain't nobody happy. Like, I feel like I shouldn't hit that on a pillow, maybe. But <laughs> I, like, I believe it with all of my heart. My attitude and my mood, whatever mood it is, mm -hmm. kind of dictates the whole mood of the whole house. You know, It does. It does. It does. Because the children's wondering what's going on. You got some kids that want to try to fix it. Some kids kind of grab onto it and they kind of get upset with you. You know, so it's kind of like they're based on their personalities, how they gravitate to your not being happy so talking mm -hmm. about your children let's get into that because that's a very interesting topic so we are now with 10 children so how did your journey came about because i know you have biologicals and then you had actually adopted so what made your husband and you decide to adopt after you already had a family already yeah so we knew that we wanted to adopt before we got married so that was kind of an easy Okay. Easy decision, but an easier decision. We didn't have to cross that hurdle. Um, and so we, after our third biological child, he said, you know what, if we're going to adopt, we need to hurry up and do that because I don't know if we're going to have any more kids. And if we, you know, whatever, which is kind of comical now because <laughs> I know you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
So we went to an adoption class at our church and we kind of learned about all the different types of adoption. And I had wanted to adopt from Africa and he wanted to adopt from China. And we got there and the panel came up and they were talking about foster care. And we both looked at each other and said, oh crap, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, just because that's the hardest one, you know, that's like, it, mm -hmm. in my opinion, and mm -hmm. I could be wrong because I haven't done any other adoptions, but just the, the losing of children and the them coming into your home and attaching and then losing them is hard. Yeah, it really is. Hard. So um, we ended up doing foster care and we had Andrew, uh, our oldest of the sibling group that we have. He came to our home at two days old wow. and um, we adored him and loved him and all of those things. And then at eight months, he went back to his bio mom. And then she subsequently had two more kids and we subsequently had two more kids. So we were, we were up to our five biological. And then she had these three over here, but they were taken away again and put back into care. And so we were given the option to adopt, but we had to move. We had moved up to Seattle at the time. And so we had to move back to Texas to adopt them. And so oh, we moved back to Texas. Yeah. Then all three of them were placed with us. Um, and it was right after we just had our fifth biological. So we had four little people, no, five little people, four and under, all in diapers. And it was a lot. And I didn't Ooh. know at the time that they had special needs. Um, you know, kind of in the adoption community, you're told like, oh, they'll catch up after a couple of years. Like they're going to be delayed. Things are going to be, you know, but once right. they feel safe and they're in your home and you've worked on attachment, things are going to be great. And so I just kept waiting for that day to happen. Um, wow. kept waiting for them to catch up and they never caught up. And I, we started asking questions and start not asking like the government questions about the kids, mm -hmm. but like medical, medical mm -hmm. like, What's going on here? And we did a bunch of tests. And so we learned that they all three have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Gotcha. All right. Um, and that is just a beast. You know, you kind of learn a little bit about that in foster care training, mm -hmm. like a little, a little bit. They don't tell you much mm -hmm. and they kind of imply that just attachment and you know all of all of that therapy will help heal the brain which i know that the brain is a marvelous thing and i know that the brain can heal but it's also brain damage and mm -hmm. we were not address that if like hey in 10 years you could have major problems with these kids and you may not know why but really it's the brain damage that happened in utero right know? right and so piecing all those things together has just made me super I realize we're talking about the children, but it's made me super passionate about wanting to educate others on FASD. Um, Cause I know there's so many adoptive parents out there that are just waiting. They're doing the right things and they're waiting. Just like you were told. To mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not happening. And I feel like if you're told if this, then this, and this part's not, this part's not working, then surely you're not doing this right. Something mm. must be wrong with you as a parent. And so I feel super, um, passionate about wanting to share with other adoptive families about FASD and wanting them to really understand that it's not anything that they're doing like wrong the child's behavior has nothing to do with their parenting. And so, which is always the case in all parenting things, but I think mm -hmm. with adoptions put more on the parents than, than on the child. So, yeah, you made me think about something because, um, as I told you, I'm an adopted child and I have adopted a child and you, you, you really, you really don't know what's, what you're going to get because you didn't have anything to do with the um, first the first part of their lives being developed. Mm -hmm. And it's based on the adoption agency to tell you or the force of care to tell you what is going on. And sometimes they don't really know either 
because it's so new, they don't know. And it could be a situation that is something they said, well, they do have this, but in most cases they grow out of it. In most cases they'll, you know, and they tell you what they would been told. So it's kind of like, you can't, there's no blame here. It's, it's really, you're not going to know until they get older. You're not going to yeah. be able to guesswork that, you know? So yeah. you, just for you to be, uh, be an adopted parent or forced to parent alone, just taking on those unknowns and taking on some of the knowns because some of them do come with with medical um issues from the beginning or psychological because they had trauma in their lives mm -hmm. but i think the special type of people that god just put this on that they are able to handle because it is stressful and it is something that you signing up for that you know you're going to have to do but it stretches you as a person and makes you a better person and, and that's his plan to make you better. And he has to stretch you. And that's the way he stretched. He stretched everybody differently. And that's the way he stretched you. And I think there's a blessing that you and your husband just came in the gate was like, we're going to adopt regardless if I have a child or not. Adoption is not because I can't have children. It's because we want more. We want to help people that's out there that need us. Because there's so many of us out there that needed people to have that kind of heart. Not because you just couldn't give birth baby you know so some people that's how they do it yeah so. and one thing i've i've learned along the way mm -hmm. is that we're definitely we're all called to do something Our with purpose. the orphan right mm -hmm. we all are supposed to be giving to the orphan and helping taking care of them mm -hmm. and so whether that is a taking them into your home or helping care for someone who has taken somebody into their home mm -hmm. um, those are all very very needed positions and people need to step up and help. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think you cannot foster or you can't adopt or whatever the can't is, you can do something. So what is that something that you're gonna do? Yes, it is. And even in the foster care system, I just saw a story on NBC Nightly News that, you know, you know, they, most of them age out. Mm -hmm. They age out at 18 and they literally just go, good luck to you. Yeah. You know, if that's it, they, they not, you know, you're adult. And sometimes they don't set you up for success. It's based on your situation or who you was with or where you was at. If you was in a group home, do they have programs that do life um, life um, coaching for you to be able to know how to deal with life situations? Banking, do you know how to write a check? Do you know how to fill an application? Like those things that we take for granted, some of these people don't have. And they just say, okay, sorry, 18, you gotta go. And when I saw her story, it's just amazing. She lived in New York City of all places, the most expensive place to live. And 18, she was just like, okay, bye. Oh. And she had to figure it out. She had to get two jobs. She was trying to go to school. She was trying to find a place to live that she could afford in New York City. You know, so, I mean, people who have good jobs, it's hard for them to afford. So it yeah. made me really think about the foster care system. And, you know, they had to put a gap in something that gives you, I mean, they give you gaps for insurance. It's like now it's 26. You could be on your parents' insurance, right? Because they know you go to college, you got to get your life together, you get your career together. They should do that in this foster care system. It should be a bridge between 18 to 20 something that they kind of say, okay, we're going to get you somewhere, but we're going to teach you this life skills while you're there so we can release you at 24. Something yeah, had to change. Yeah, something definitely had to change. But, you know, we wish we had more people like you that could take the children that are needed home. So once again, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, from adopted child, I really appreciate you. Um, and so, let's talk about 
the areas that most you most passionate about. And I know this is one or more than one because you're passionate about children, you're passionate about the, the foster care system, you're passionate about being a mama and, and helping others. Is there anything else that we missed? Laura? <laughs> I think that I just so desperately want my struggles to be worth, not to be worth something, but to to be able to help somebody, which I think is what we all want, right? Like our yes, trials and the hardness of our life once we've learned from it and once we've mm -hmm. seen, oh my goodness, there's a better way. People don't have to struggle as much. Mm -hmm. We just desperately don't want them to struggle that much, you know? Mm -hmm. So my heart, my heart is like, my heart breaks thinking about just where I was a couple of years ago and just the drowning that felt like was happening and the not knowing with our kids and the FASD and then also just being so overwhelmed and then seeing the complete flip side of things where I'm like, we have help because our kids have FASD mm -hmm. and we have systems in place. And so I'm able to put my feet up at night and kind of relax and not be stressed out. And all of that has just um, really made me passionate about all of those things that you just said yeah and so i know that that's your stretch right a couple of years ago you have been you were stretching and now you're able to like put your feet up and say hey this is what it was for this was the purpose for me helping others that was just like me that was my purpose of stretching so at least you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and why it happened so that's that's half of that's that's life right there just figuring out that that little part is life <laughs> That's wonderful. That's definitely wonderful. So I would like to thank you for coming on Let's Talk 1943. I enjoyed this conversation. You taught a lot of um, information for us. And if someone's interested in your services, I did, you know, of course, on the bottom of the screen, you'll see um, her email address as well as her website. But if there's any other way they contact you or, or you want to tell us exactly what your services are? Yeah, um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with mamas mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of my favorite things because I love building relationships and really getting down to the nitty gritty and really problem solving. Mm -hmm. It feels like a big puzzle to me um, to be able to kind of go in and help people get systems in place and get their house in a more peaceful place. Um, but mm -hmm. I also have courses and stuff as well. Oh, um, okay. Website, so, okay. And you can find all that on your website, correct? So, yes. yeah. So if you're interested in getting your life in order and not just organizational logistics, but getting your life mentally in order, be able to be a best parent as well as a best woman, reach out to her. She's definitely Jay. She told you she got it. She knows what she's talking about. So until um, I want to thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. And until next time, God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk 1943. And I am Regina Smithwick. And until next time, God bless.